Moritz and welcome to my podcast The Status Quo. I'm happy to announce that I've had my first interview guest. Meet Jamie. I'm sorry for the bad quality of sound but I had to use another microphone. Enjoy. Well good evening people. Today we are here with a real Texan. Meet Jamie. How are you? Hi everyone. Um, <laughs> I'm doing good tonight. So we are sitting here in uh, Grund, like uh, right next to the Scots pub. Let's just have some uh, questions and answers. <laughs> Sounds good. How did you end up in Luxembourg? Well, I think my story is a bit similar to everyone else's. Um, I ended up here because of work. So I took a job offer here in Luxembourg. I moved here having never seen the city, mm -hmm. but I fell in love, of course. Like mm -hmm. I. People always say that Luxembourg is such a small city or it's kind of boring, but I totally disagree, I think. There's a lot of culture and a lot of life here, especially living in the groom. Even during COVID times? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, even during COVID times. Um, and what would, you say is the, what would you say is the biggest difference between living American and living European? Oh gosh, there's so many differences. I think the biggest difference that I noticed right away was the change of pace. Like in America, everything is nonstop, like 24-7, go, 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 work hard, live hard, no time for relaxation, no time for family, um, no time for the things that matter, right? And here, like, you know, you sit down for dinner and it's like a three-hour ordeal. And nobody's giving, the server's not giving you dirty looks to like vacate the table so they can just turn it over and make more money. Um, you know, things are closed on the weekend. It's just, it's, it's such a relaxed pace. And that's, I don't know, it's relaxing. It's nice. Yeah, it's nice to hear. Yeah. So you did assimilate into European culture. Yes, I'd like to think that I've assimilated quite well. Um, but... No, yeah, we were talking about brands and how, you know, growing up we, or I, have found, like, brands, you know, brands that I trust, products that I trust, and so moving here, mm. everything was totally different. There's none, none of the same brands, so I had to, like, relearn mm -hmm. products that I liked, products that I didn't like. Yeah. Um, so that's been fun, and just kind of what I was saying a minute ago, like, l learning a different pace of life. Uh, learning how to do things differently, learning how Europeans do them. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself for doing that. But what did you think of Europeans before you moved to Europe? <laughs> so I think I speak for all Americans when I say that we have this romanticized version of Europeans, you know. Sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you live up to it in some ways. But like, okay, like, we think, ooh, Parisians, you know, ooh la, ooh la la, Paris, and, and, you know, Londoners are like fashionistas, and Germans are, you know, awesome rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's a, there's such a romanticized 
uh, way to look at things. Um, yeah, but I think as you got here, you realized that no European likes Paris. That surprised me. Everyone hates Paris for some reason. Like, and I, I went there recently, and I, I thought Paris was nice. And I, I didn't know what everyone was talking about. Like, I did all the touristy things, like the Louvre and the Eiffel Tower, and yeah, it was like any other European city, actually. Mm-hmm. So, and if I remember right, you, you've been living in California, right? Hmm. I lived for a while in California. That was another shock, okay? So you let it slip at the beginning of the podcast and I'm originally from Texas. And <laughs> as Texans, because everything really is bigger in Texas, we are arrogant as fuck. Like, <laughs> the rest of the United States can just go suck it, right? <laughs> so we, of course, our biggest rivals are Californians and New Yorkers. Uh, and as a Texan, I'm like, okay... Californians, you know, surfer girls, <laughs> Hollister boys, beach life, like that's what I thought all of California was like. And so I go, I was living in central California in Monterey, which is actually like a retirement slash wealthy place. It kind of reminds me of Luxembourg. Um, <laughs> but it was so... Thanks for saying that all the old people are living here. Thank you. <laughs> um, it was, it was... It was not. It was cold, and there was fog, and it was not like the whole L.A. scene that I thought oh. it was going to be. So, yeah. yeah. So disappointed. <laughs> I was disappointed with California, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is the thing that Texans think about Californians? Do they like stuck up or...? Uh, they're a bunch of hippies. <laughs> <laughs> Like surfing hippies who smoke weed all day. Like that's how how Texans see Californians. Seems like the place to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I I would definitely prefer California over Texas these days. Um, so when did you make the decision to to come to Europe, and why? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I've always been an adventure seeker. Right? Yep. Uh, and I just reached a point in my life, I don't want to say dead end, but I wanted, I wanted something more. I wanted a bigger challenge. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had my sister living here in Belgium and I was like, you know what? I'm going to move to Europe and leave behind my support network, everything that I know. And I'm just going to start a new life in Europe. And everyone thought I was so brave. They're like, oh my God, you're so brave for doing that. Like I would be too scared to, mm -hmm. but for me, it was just a challenge. Like. You know what? I'm gonna conquer Europe. <laughs> um, so I came over here, and it certainly, certainly was a challenge. Like, like we were talking about with the, the culture shock. You wouldn't think there'd be such a culture shock from the United States to Europe, but there certainly is. What I notice is, okay, so in America, you people just go through their day. Like I said, it's go, go, go. People go through their day with their heads down, and they're just totally focused on themselves but one thing I have noticed here in Europe is people take the time to look around mm -hmm. um, if you pass someone on the street like they will acknowledge you um, you know they ask mm -hmm. they're genuinely interested um, so yeah. something I always thought was different about the, the United States I always think with Americans it's, it's so much easier to to just start talking I think here in Europe, when you just start talking to a stranger, the first reaction is like, 
okay, why is this guy talking to me? See, I think it's the total opposite. That really? In the States, it's that reaction of, <laughs> why are you talking to me? But here in Europe, like, no, yeah, people, I, it's so much easier to talk to people. And one of the things I love about Luxembourg is because there's so many different people here from so many different places. That's true. That's true, yeah. That you kind of have that in common. Like, everyone's like a transplant. So you're like, oh, where are you from? Knowing that you're not from Luxembourg. Like, you're kind, yeah. of, you're kind of a rare bird. <laughs> that you're actually Luxembourgish. That's something which I think is, like, super weird that you, you've been living here for... How much year time? And a year and a couple months. Year and some change. So we've been knowing each other for four months, maybe? Let's say four months. And I'm, like, the first person from Luxembourg you've been <laughs> talking to. Yeah, it is strange. Uh, I think because you guys hide from the city, so... Maybe, yeah. <laughs> could, could be a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> Just gotta take care of this with a bit of happy juice. Yeah, I love that Luxembourg has a wine region. Like when I went went down to Whithill, I forget the name of it. Mosul? Mo yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, but seeing all the vineyards and whatnot, like I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I honestly don't know that much about wine, but I felt from from some different sources that uh, Luxembourg is appreciated for for its wines. Mm. Yeah. We gotta do a tasting. Yeah, that can be fun, especially since I prefer white wines, and that's that's what they grow here. So. Yeah. So since you've been living here for about a year, correct? Yeah, a little over a year. You didn't really experience partying here in Luxembourg. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, when I first moved here, I was going back and forth to Belgium a lot. Mm -hmm. And then when I finally fully transitioned to being here in Luxembourg, COVID happened. So, no, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to party in Luxembourg. Yeah, I guess there's some better places, but it's quite nice, I guess. I, I mean, again, like, I, I suppose a lot of people do think that it's not, it's not uh, anything worth, you know, attending. But for me, I mean, um, Klausen and then the place in the center where that street that has all the bars and such, mm -hmm. like, I don't know, that's really nice. Um, like, okay. <laughs> I would enjoy spending the night out on the <laughs> town there. Maybe next year. We'll see. Yeah, literally next year. Yeah. So you also spent some time in the military? Oh, <laughs> I did, yeah. Um, that, that was an interesting jaunt. Um, the, I guess the short version is, so I'm from a very small town, which mm -hmm. is why I can appreciate what Luxembourg has to offer. And it's one of those towns where if you don't leave, you never leave. Like you get stuck there for Sounds your whole like life. So I had this whole plan after I graduated high school to go go live and be and go to college, but uh, I changed my plans at the last minute and I was stuck with kind of nothing, no plan B. Oh. Yeah. And my sister and my older sister and my older brother had already joined the Air Force. Yeah. And so, you know, I spent my whole life looking up to them. So I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to do what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So I joined the Air Force and went to basic training and that was interesting to say the least um 
but the job they put me in was to be a linguist and so that's you know that's why I lived in California is because mm. they sent me there to the, to the linguist school to learn Arabic but as it turns out that's really hard to do <laughs> so I, I washed out I will shamefully admit um, and they're like we can either give you another job or you can just go your own way and I was like you know what I'm gonna go my own way so well at least you tried yeah, I, I did. It's a really intense program. Like you become, you become native proficient in 64 weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> it's intense. But uh, what I think is pretty, have you, with those people you went to high school with, have you ever seen them again? No, honestly, that's, I mean, that's, I guess, the beauty of Facebook. Like, you can still stalk people that you went to high school with. You haven't seen in, you know, 15 years. Um, no, none of them, that's what I'm saying. Like, none of them went anywhere. Damn, I think that's the, that's the most, that's the biggest difference between, one of the biggest differences between uh, uh, Luxembourg and, and the States. I mean... If you graduate high school here in Luxembourg, it's like, okay, you graduate, graduate, and maybe someone is going to Brussels to uh, for universities, somebody to uh, uh, Cologne, somebody to uh, Austria. But in the end, you always end up in Luxembourg, and you you end up seeing those people again. And if it's uh, like in the supermarket or uh, elsewhere on the uh, uh, wine fest at uh, the Mosul, but in the States you really never see those people again, Mm-mm. and that's, for for me it sounds like super weird. <laughs> yeah, um, I've I've always been a free spirit, or as I said earlier, an mm-hmm. adventurer. Mm-hmm. So I was destined to travel far, um, and there's nothing really pulling me back. But yeah. I imagine for someone you know, who grows up there and their whole family is there and their whole life is there. Like, why, why would they leave, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel, sometimes I feel sorry for them because they'll never see the world. They'll yeah. never, they'll never see, like, the potential of humanity. Mm-hmm. But at the other, t- on the other side of that, like, I almost am envious of them because, you know, they have this bubble that they live in and they don't worry about you know, world events and mm. what's going on in other countries and stuff like they're just they're just a part of that one community and that's all they'll ever know and I don't know. I know some people frown at the whole ignorance is bliss thing, but sometimes I really do envy them because that's that's their life. <laughs> yeah. That's their life and it's gonna be that for the rest of their life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean everyone chooses to live their life the way they want, like I said, for me, my life took me here. And you can imagine staying here for the rest of your life? That's tough, okay, because mm-hmm. Luxembourg really is amazing, and I really am fortunate to be here. Um, I, they're, they're one of the fewer countries that offer citizenship so early, like after five years yeah. you, can, you can apply for citizenship. Do have to be talking Luxembourgish, Yes, you do <laughs> have to take your Luxembourgish class and get your certificate. Definitely work I'd be willing to do, um, <laughs> even though I couldn't learn Arabic. <laughs> um, I'm gonna help you. But I'm very privileged to be here, so I think that if 
if the opportunity presented itself, you know, I would stay here. But see, the thing about Luxembourg is it's literally in the center of Europe. You could travel 45 minutes and be in a different country. In the United States, you just don't have that. Like, you you could travel for two days and still be in the same country. Um, wow. So, so being landlocked in Luxembourg would not be a bad thing. Like, So, you're like, where have you been? You've been to Paris? Mm, yeah, so I'm trying to make my way around European capitals. <laughs> I've been to Paris, Brussels. Well, I lived in Brussels for a bit. Um, let's see, Berlin, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. I went to Stockholm over the summer, and I loved Stockholm. I think Sweden is pretty cool. <laughs> um, I'd say the only thing that tops Stockholm is Madrid. I loved Madrid. Never been there. Oh, it's so beautiful. The people are beautiful. Like the people are beautiful. <laughs> okay, yes, beautiful physically, but also beautiful like spiritually. Like they're just—I mean, I don't know how many of you listeners like know the Spanish culture, but they—they're very laid back. So it's it's fun. It's they just enjoy life. Yes, yes. And that's something we we keep forgetting over here. <laughs> Especially on the German side. <laughs> <laughs> so Germans don't enjoy life. <laughs> I don't know that personally because I haven't met many Germans, but the the stereotype that I hear from other Europeans is that Germans are very stick in the mud kind of people. What's the biggest difference between dating European guys and dating uh, American guys? <laughs> that's Spill the beans. <laughs> that's a funny question. Okay, you want honesty? You might have to edit this out. <laughs> honesty is the the. The circumcised versus non-circumcised—that's <laughs> the biggest thing. Um, okay, so that's the embarrassing part. Okay, real <laughs> truth here. Um, real talk. I don't know. Again, because of American culture, there is the stereotype of you know we're just ignorant, small-minded people because we don't travel the world, and I think that's applicable to the guys that I've dated from the United States. Um, But European men obviously are more well-traveled, more open-minded. Um, is and I would I wouldn't just say that's for men. I'd say it's for Europeans in general are more mm -hmm. open-minded than Americans. Which is actually kind of surprising because I always think of Americans as being like super open-minded. Maybe not on political ideas, but. Uh, in general, except for political ideas. I suppose in the bigger cities, um, like the New York City, Chicago, yeah. LA, of course, it's a, very comparable to Europeans, I guess. But um, I've never lived in one of those big cities. You know, I visited them. Yeah. But for me, it's more small town mentality, which is the conservative. No shame, no shame. <laughs> Cheers to that. <laughs> Cheers. And going back to the States would be... Oh, God, no. No? <laughs> I never want to go back to the States. Um, How about Canada? <laughs> okay, so I have been to Vancouver, and I do... And Vancouver was amazing, so... I, but, again, what does, Van, what does Canada have that Europe doesn't? Like, I think Europe has more to offer space? than Canada. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of space here. <laughs> Just walk 15 minutes, and you're in the middle of the woods. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, the, I've always been liberal, and um, 
open-minded since that's the word of the evening. And going back to the States would just be like putting on a collar again. Okay, I get it. <laughs> I understand. Sometimes I'm, I'm also thinking about leaving uh, Luxembourg for for some different country, maybe the States, maybe Canada, maybe Brazil, maybe Argentina, but uh, yeah, it just seems like I'm kind of stuck here. Mm. It's a bad feeling to be in, feeling stuck. Yeah. Mm. I think a lot of a lot of that stuck feeling, and I'm not saying this about you personally, but based mm. on my experience with, with people in general, people feel stuck when they're afraid. And they're afraid of change, and they're afraid of... I mean, think about it. Like, look, I moved from the States to here. I literally gave up everything. I mean, mm. I gave up my hairdresser. I gave up my bank. <laughs> oh, the hairdresser. Oh, I, oh, oh. Hey, me and her had a social relationship, okay? <laughs> I gave up my family, my friends, my acquaintances, my professional connections. Yeah. My language, mm -hmm. my my culture, I gave it all up. Yep. And that's really, really scary. It's literally jumping off a cliff blindfolded, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that fear is what keeps people in place. Um, and again, I'm not I'm not saying you're <laughs> afraid, but um, change is scary. But it's it's inevitable. Yeah, of course. So if if you're gonna change, why not? grab hold of the reins and direct change in the direction you want it to be, you know? We'll see uh, where it leads. I, I don't think I'm going to end up in Brazil or Argentina, <laughs> but uh, maybe somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, you know, in my time in the military, one of the things that uh, lots of people said was bloom where you're planted, is that every place has its pros and its cons. Yeah. You know, people are going to love it or hate it. Um, but if you make an effort to, to thrive wherever you're at, mm -hmm. I think is really, it's really what makes it, you know, it yeah. what, what brings you happiness is saying, you know what, there's good things, mm -hmm. there's bad things, but I'm going to choose to take it as it is, you know, or mm -hmm. so. I think just happiness is a choice, you know, you could be, you can be in a bad place and still see, still see the good on the good in it. That's what I'm trying to do, even though I don't like my current situation concerning my job, I'm, I'm still trying to make the best of it. And I'm, sorry, I'm trying to make the best of it and change it. So we'll see how it, how it goes. Yeah, I definitely wish you luck on your endeavors. With the whole happiness is a choice thing, I think I would agree, but I would also disagree. Like, we... For example, your job, like... Okay, maybe you're not completely happy with your job, but you're making the best of it. And I think that's such a great attitude. Like that positive attitude, that choice to see the positive, really what what makes life I don't want to say livable, but maybe even enjoyable. You know, like we we choose to focus on that. But I also think on the same side that it would be human nature is that we have a wide range of emotions, right? Like we feel sadness and, and misery and pain. Mm. That's, that's human nature, and so to, to kind of put a blanket on it and say, you know what, we're, just, we're choosing to be happy all the time, mm. is almost denying that part of your humanity. That's absolutely, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think happiness, happiness in general doesn't mean that you're happy all the time, mm. but it, that you're just accepting times where you're not feeling well. Yeah. And that's just part of power of life. That you know it's gonna pass. You know it's uh, part of life. You know it's happening to to everybody. 
And that's what I what I realized for myself. Uh, happiness doesn't mean being happy all the time. It's just accepting your life as it is. I like that. I could get behind that. Yeah, because <laughs> sometimes when people are like, oh, you know, happiness is a choice. Just be happy. It's like I want to take their positivity and shove it down their throats. But, um, <laughs> but no, the way you put it is really nice. Like, you can't be happy 24-7. But, you know, just accepting. Accepting the ups and the downs and knowing mm-hmm. that it'll get better, I think is really, I don't know, the key. <laughs> <laughs> You broke the bottle. I had a cork. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're both replaying, so I think it should be fine. No, I'm stupid. I don't want to drink any glass. Oh, look, it is from the Mosul region. Of course it is. Where else are you supposed to get wine in Luxembourg? <laughs> Hmm. Honestly, that's one of the reasons I love living here is that noise. Really? And the people chattering. Yeah, it is. It just makes me so happy. (laughs) I get it, but I really like the place where I live since it's quiet. (laughs) Well, if I close the window, you can barely hear it. Hmm. But what's fun though is um, Oscars does karaoke on Friday and Saturday <laughs> nights. So after 10 p.m., we can open the window and just hear them singing like ridiculously. Or not. <laughs> no, no, no. So you told me that they're doing karaoke on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. Today is. You want to go do some karaoke? Is that what you're saying? We're going to do some karaoke. <laughs> um, if I can get you to do it, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be fun. Probably not for us, but it's going to be fun. No, probably not for other people. <laughs> probably for nobody. <laughs> but sounds like fun. <laughs> and we can all do a little fun at this point. <laughs> Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm super happy that stuff is still open in Luxembourg. I really hope they don't close the restaurants. Like, I know that's probably what's going to happen, but... Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Honestly, I think we're doing a good job. You have to wear your masks in public. Yeah. Mandatory. Yeah. Everywhere. Which is fine, because in the Netherlands, you, it's only mandatory on the bus for public transportation. Right? Yeah. So masks everywhere, that's nice. Two meters distance, great. And then the the large scale testing, like we were talking about earlier. Like yeah. I think Luxembourg does the most tests than any other country. I think I think that's true. You know what? Mm-hmm. Let's address the elephant in the room. Okay. What do you think about the US elections? Oh shit. <laughs> yeah, that's a big elephant. Oh man, US elections. Honestly, I think the U.S. elections are more of a circus than anything else. Well, it's quite entertaining to watch, I have to admit. That's not a good thing. <laughs> uh, I think right now the United States are kind of the laughing stock of the world, um, which is really sad. I think that 
overall, you know, I've seen a lot of quotes that people quoting George Washington recently and how he his warning to avoid the two-party system mm-hmm. um, and the whole famous quote, you know, a house divided can't stand or whatever. Um, and I truly believe that. I think our, our political system, our party system is just jacked up, like two parties, left and right. It just doesn't make sense to me. And what also doesn't make sense to me is somehow the social issues have entered the political arena. Like, it's all about abortion and gay marriage and, and social welfare and things like that. It's like, why, what does that have to do with politicians, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think our system is so broken, but I just don't see... I don't see how any one thing or one action or one person could change it. No, I guess you're right, since uh, you're going from one extreme to another. Exactly. Extreme left, extreme right, and, and the country is so divided. It, it, there's so much hate and discord. It just makes my heart hurt. Like, why can't we just do the right thing? Mm. You know, why does it have to be a political agenda? No, I get it. And there's so much lobbyism. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, like we look back at history. Sometimes I don't understand the point of learning history because humans just repeat the past constantly. Um, if you look back, okay, you look back at like the Roaring Twenties in the United States with Prohibition and, mm-hmm. and all these big industries like steel mongols and, and, and you know, the steel and the auto and the, the coal, all these big people that have all the politicians in their pockets. And we look back and we're like, oh, America, the politicians were so corrupt and America was so corrupt. But if you compare it to today, it's like, how are we any different? Like mm-hmm. the oil companies and the the you know the the gun companies and all this kind of stuff. Like, and again, this is I'm not an expert in the subject. This is mm-hmm. just me and my everyday Joe opinion. But how, how can how can politicians create laws that contradict what the people who paid to put them in office are for? You know, it doesn't make sense to me. I just, I don't understand it, and what makes me sad is I don't understand how it can change. The um, social security that's, well, non-existent. Yeah, that, honestly, that blows my mind too, like, and I, I think I've told you this before, but, you know, I couldn't, I was working for a small company that only had, like, seven or eight employees, and mm. by law, they're not required to provide health insurance. So I would have had to get health insurance on my own. Mm -hmm. And that would have cost me, you know, $300 a month, which Mm -hmm. I just couldn't afford Mm -hmm. as a young professional just out of college. So I didn't have health insurance. There were years I didn't have health insurance, which means I didn't go to the doctor. I didn't get my annual checkups. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't do any kind of preventative medicine. And if I did get sick, then I would avoid going to the doctor because I couldn't pay for it out of pocket. Mm And when I moved here, you know, I was like, woo, yeah, healthcare. So I did, I went and I got all my checkups and my physicals and my exams. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it turns out that I had a bit of cancer. And so like, and I had surgery to, to take care of it and you know, it was curative, so that's mm-hmm. great. But if I never would have moved here or you know, like I never would have had access to health, 
healthcare, yeah. then that that could have killed me. Um, so it, it really it really is fucked up that the in America you don't have social welfare. I just just it doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. Well, that's a <laughs> that's a big story actually. Honestly, it, you know you you think, didn't tell me. <laughs> you think that it's a big story, but it's so common in the United yeah. States. People people have these tumors growing off the side of their bodies, mm. and doctors ask them, you know, why haven't you come in until now? And it's like, mm. well, because I couldn't afford to. And you have people, mothers, parents, working three jobs just, mm. just to afford health insurance, you know? Wow. So you enjoy living in Europe? <laughs> I really, really, really enjoy living in Europe. I love the social welfare. <coughs> you okay over there? Yeah. Riesling just, getting to you? Just dying a bit. <laughs> Give me a sec. <laughs> oh. It's really a shame that you haven't experienced the nightlife of Luxembourg City until yeah, since you've moved here. Since you've moved here. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you in on a little personal, personal opinion. Okay, so I live here in the room, and you've got Scott's Pub and Oscars, and you've got Clausen, which is pretty chill, pretty laid back place, right? Yeah. Uh, which is my scene. <laughs> <laughs> but then you know, I was talking about downtown, like that street that has all those like bars and such, and that's I think where all the pretentious people go. <laughs> Like you got this all these people in their business suits and and their their martinis and their you know fifteen dollar yep. car or fifteen euro cocktails and it's just it's all just a little staged to me you know people are so they're pretending to be somebody they're not yeah welcome to Luxembourg <laughs> exactly <laughs> um, so down here down in the the valley down in the valley of the Grun is a bit my scene more. More hipster vibe. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't really think it's a hipster vibe. Well, no, okay, not hipster, but authentic. More authentic vibe. Yeah, yeah, I think that's 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 a better word for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Okay, so you know I work in Kishburg, right? Yep. So there's kind of the same vibe going on there. You have the north side of JFK, which are the suits, right? Everyone there wears a suit. <laughs> and then you have the south side, you know, which is where Amazon is, and everyone's wearing like sneakers and <laughs> t-shirt and stuff. Um, and all, it's, uh, the restaurants are even divided the same. The restaurants on the really? south side are like, okay, I'm just here getting lunch, it's chill. But if you go to the restaurants on the north side, they're just like really, you know, white linen service for lunch. Really? <laughs> yeah. There's quite a division. That's, that's, that's something, uh, something I've never never thought about. Uh, well, I'll have to take you to lunch in Kishberg then. <laughs> well, to the north side or the south side? <laughs> I have to dust off my suit. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Everyone asks me, well, what am I doing in Luxembourg? And there's like... Like from your American uh, uh, connections you still have? No, like just people and people I meet, just oh, okay. the people that I talk to on the street, <laughs> ask you know well, what do you do? And I'm like take three guesses. You really can take three guesses. It's Luxembourg banking. Yeah, finance. Finance. And real estate. Government. Yeah. Or Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the three, the three sectors here in Luxembourg. 
Well, so the design firm that I worked at before this in the States, that's most of our contracts were government contracts. So mm -hmm. we redesigned like government offices and such. Mm -hmm. And then of course I was in the military. Yeah. So I'm quite familiar with the whole government angle. Um, and then here in Luxembourg, I hear that the government employees have it real nice. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but again, I think that's it. It plays into the whole social welfare thing. Like the, the, the nation is taking care of its citizens by offering so many. I wonder, I wonder if it's more busy, uh, if it's busier on a non COVID Friday night. I heard, because I met Scott all the time, so I heard from them that it used to be packed. Like they had the second story, you could pay like 15 euros. At Scott's? Uh -huh, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. could get like unlimited drinks. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. Like they literally had to throw people out on the streets because it got so wild. Yeah. But I have nothing to compare it to because all I've ever known here is COVID. Mm. Which is a shame, actually. I just hope this whole stuff is going to be over soon. I'm so fed up with it. Mm. What are you going to put on that wall? Um, <laughs> that's a tough choice. Like I said, I've kind of gotten into the whole drawing cityscape kind of thing. So, yep. so maybe like a collage of my sketches or just a really big like tapestry or a series of prints that I think is cool. Like, I'm on the move. So, I'm really into graphic design. And this little thingy came out. This is like of a Luxembourg heritage thing. Yeah, yeah. And like taking, the, cutting this out and framing it, I think would be so cool. Like, so this, this little thing has a bunch of, well, it's got history, right? But then it's got some prints. I don't know, just look like cool, cool Luxembourgish stuff. Like, I don't know. I saw it and I thought it was visually interesting, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I like, the, I like the style. So, like I said, I'm slow. <laughs> so that was my evening with Jamie. I was really happy she, t uh, she took time for me and I'm also happy to consider her my friend. And as always we have our song cover. This time it's Damien Rice, Coconut Skins, covered by uh, Victory. Enjoy!
That's it for today guys, and as always, sleep tight and wake up happy. See you guys next time. Mm-hmm.